Welcome to Petrifaction. I'm your host, Petey. And if you like stories about ghosts, monsters, vampires, the weird and mysterious, UFOs, Bigfoot, and other cryptids, you're in the right place. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Remember, friends, be prepared to be petrified. Hello friends, it is October, just love October, there's a chill in the air now, you can smell the cinnamon and the pumpkin spice when you walk into stores, it's refreshing, I love October, the leaves coming down, the best part of all is haunted October. So getting ready for the next episodes with Haunted October, I happened to come across some stuff about Poltergeist. And it just kind of reminded me that once upon a time, there was a really scary movie called Poltergeist. And I haven't seen that movie in decades. I won't say how long for sure, but I know it's been at least 25 years or more. So Poltergeist, the original came out around, um, it came out in 1982, and when I watched it for the first time, I was a kid, and it was so scary, but I loved that movie. I watched it every chance I got when it played on television. And of course, you know, time goes by amazingly fast, as it turns out. I haven't watched that movie in a long time. Unfortunately for a lot of movies that were really great, when you're a kid. They lose their magic after you get older. And I was kind of afraid this was going to happen with Poltergeist, but I turned it on anyway, and I watched it. And I'm going to tell you folks, it didn't lose any of the magic. It's still just a great movie. So I'm really glad I stopped what I was doing for a bit and took some time and enjoyed. It's a great movie. Get you in the mood for some Halloween. I recommend you all go ahead and watch it. 
So also, did you know that there is a curse associated with poltergeist? Yeah, there is. I kind of remember as a kid hearing a little bit about it, but I really didn't know for sure. You know, I didn't know too much about it. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about Poltergeist. It was released in June of 1982 by MGM Studios. It starred Craig T. Nelson and Joe Beth Williams. It was an American supernatural horror film directed by Tobe Hooper. And it was written by Steven Spielberg, Michael Grace, and Mark Victor. And from a story that was by Steven Spielberg. The film focuses on a suburban family whose home is invaded by malevolent ghosts that abduct their daughter. So good. It was the eighth highest grossing film of 1982. It was nominated for three Academy Awards and named by the Chicago Film Critics Association as the 20th scariest movie ever made. Pretty incredible, right? So the curse of Poltergeist began in November of 1982, just months after the movie had been released. The actress who played the teenage daughter Dana in Poltergeist, played by Dominique Dunn, was murdered. On October 30th of 1982, Dunn was strangled by her ex-boyfriend, John Sweeney, in the driveway of her West Hollywood home. She went into a coma but never regained consciousness and died in the hospital five days later. In a controversial court case, Sweeney was convicted of voluntary manslaughter and Dunn's death, but only served three and a half years in prison. The next actress to die was the second daughter in Poltergeist, the little girl, Carol Ann, played by Heather O'Rourke, she died at the age of just 12. On February 1st, 1988, O'Rourke died following a series of heart attacks. Her cause of death later was ruled as congenital stenosis of the intestine, complicated by septic shock. And there's more. Lou Perryman played the small role of Pugsley in the original film. He was 67 years old when a recently released ex-convict killed him in his own home with an axe. Julian Beck, who starred as Kane in Poltergeist 2 The Other Side, died of stomach cancer at the age of 60. He was diagnosed before he accepted the role, and he passed away in September of 1985, months before the film even came out in theaters. In 1987, in June of that year, Will Sampson died of malnutrition and postoperative kidney failure at the age of 53. Now, while their deaths may not seem so unusual, some fans still believe that they are connected to the curse. One of the reasons for the curse could be this famous scene. Diane, who falls into the family's pool, and it's filled with skeletons. You might not know that those skeletons are actually real. The actor sure didn't. In my innocence and naivete, I assumed that these were not real skeletons, William said in an interview for TV Land. 
I assumed that they were prop skeletons made out of plastic or rubber. I found out, as did the crew, that they were using real skeletons because it's far too expensive to make fake skeletons out of rubber. Concerned about the use of real skeletons on the set of the film, Native American actor and Poltergeist 2 The Other Side star Will Sampson performed an exorcism on the set of the second film in 1984. According to Williams, he went to the set late at night by himself to do it, and the next day the cast were all relieved. Now there have been some unsettling false claims, and it's regarding this curse. It's been said that the core actors from Poltergeist have all passed away, some of them by car crashes or strangulation. Even one rumor is that Robbie, played by Oliver Robbins, had been killed by the mechanical clown prop used for the first film. And just going to put it out there that if there is a curse, it has yet to take them. Oliver Robbins is 50 years old now, not a little boy anymore. And the actors Craig T. Nelson and Joe Beth Williams are both around. You can actually see them on television shows and even some movies yet. You just have to look for them. But they are alive and well. So that's good anyway. And some followers of the film lore expressed a real concern for the new star-studded cast and this curse. So despite no death or misfortune this time around, director Gil Kennan was not shy about mentioning paranormal activity he claimed to have experienced during the filming. He spoke freely about a female spirit who haunted the house they filmed in and the turning on and off of lights on their set. Today's stories are several short stories of ghosts and hauntings. The first story we have for today is of a poor little kitty cat who has the misfortune of meeting an unseen presence. watched one of our cats being pulled backwards about five feet by her tail. She was walking through the dining area and suddenly was sliding backwards as if someone was pulling her by her tail. Only there wasn't. She freaked out and tried to run but couldn't immediately as something held her for a brief second before letting her go. I tend to think that was the handiwork of a four or five year old ghost who hangs out and she just wanted to play with the kitty. From poor little haunted kitty cats to a friend helping out another friend to try to figure out why her house won't sell. This is the story of Candy who is a real estate agent, and she's asked to go into a house to try to figure out why the owners can't sell. So, this is Candy's story.
Candy Mills Crocker is a DC-based realtor. So she's seen and sold her share of homes. But she recalled for us one that she could barely even enter. A friend asked me to visit a house that a friend of hers was trying to sell, said Candy. She wanted me to see if I could figure out why the house wasn't selling. She looked up the property and visited in the early afternoon. When she walked in, she said, I felt a heaviness to the house. It was vacant, but it felt full. She walked slowly from the living room to the kitchen. She peeked around the corner to the sunroom, but couldn't go in. She opened the basement door, but couldn't bring herself to go down those steps. It felt like someone was in the house, she said. She tried the second floor, but couldn't bear to move past the stairwell. I felt a need to leave that house immediately, which she did. Outside, I could breathe again. But she didn't call her friend because she didn't know what to tell her about the house. Two weeks later, the friend called Candy, and Candy started to explain how she'd felt visiting the property. After a pause, the friend said, Do you think it felt that way because three people died in the house? Well, yeah, said Candy, and they're still there. I lived in a house built in 1938. I would wake up and sit up in bed every single night at 2.59 to 3.01 a.m. I thought I saw something move quickly out of the corner of my eye on occasion, but assumed it was just me being sleepy and having bad vision without my glasses. One night, the curtain on my closet moved. I pulled the lamp chain and the room lit up. My husband thought I was crazy. I saw nothing, so I pulled the chain again to turn off the lamp. I tried to sleep again, but a few minutes later, I heard the lamp chain swinging against the lamp base. When I reached out to see if I felt it swinging and to stop it, something cold touched me. It didn't feel like the shape of a hand or a finger, but like a wet washcloth. We moved soon after that due to relocating, but I stopped waking up every morning at the new house and haven't had any weird feelings since. In this next story, ah, oh, it's moving day, and what's more exciting than moving into your brand new house? This is the story of not mom and dad, though. It's the story of a five-year-old little girl on her very first day in her new home.
From ages 5 to 17, I lived in a house with activity. It was all pretty basic run-of-the-mill stuff. There were footsteps and voices. Lights turned on and off. Doors opened and shut. Batteries drained all the time. If we started renovating, which to be honest was all the time, they'd get more active and start throwing stuff. I got used to it. They didn't hurt us, so we just let it go. And even my father started believing after a while. But the worst thing that ever happened while we were there was when we were moving in. I was five. My friend and I were playing in the only room that was finished in the basement while my parents were moving the stuff in. My friend's parents were helping. Suddenly, the door to the room slammed shut. There was no wind, no draft, no explanation. Then the lock engaged with a click and everyone started laughing. There was nobody there but us. We were stuck in that room for two hours. And the next story up is another child story, but this comes after the said child has grown up and is now an adult. As a kid, he and a friend used to make some videos. And just for the heck of it, one day, he's looking at his videos and watching. And he sees a shadow man. As a kid, I would make stupid videos with my friends, and sometimes I like to rewatch them and cringe at our shenanigans. Quite recently, I rewatched a video a friend and I had made in August of 2009. The video consists of our usual screwing around. Halfway through the video, there is a short two second clip wherein my friend is flailing a toy sword around and screaming in my room. My friend is sitting with his back to the open door. Clearly a dark figure is seen walking down the hallway past the open door. The figure is only visible for a split second, but there's no doubt something passed by. The thing is, I remember vividly being home alone that day. My father always told me a guy burned to death in that hallway, and my mother swore she sometimes heard coughing at night. I remember the hallway always smelling faintly of smoke, even though no one in my family smoked. I don't know, it's kind of spooky.
Now, as a mom, I can tell you if I looked back at some of the videos I have of my kids, just some of the pranks they did and some of the fun stuff we had, and I inadvertently saw a shadow man in any of the videos, even briefly. Holy cow. Holy cow. Oh, yeah. Freak me out. Big time, big time, big time. So this next story is of another brand new homeowner who purchases a house despite the fact they can't see what's in one of the closets. The closet door is padlocked shut and they're told unless they buy the house, they cannot open it. house was abandoned for two years before we bought it. When we went for the viewing, there was a bedroom closet that was padlocked shut. Think barn door latch with a lock through it. The realtor said they had no key and we couldn't open it unless we bought it. Well, we ended up buying it and priority number one was opening that door. After a few minutes with a pry bar, we got in and it revealed a children's play area. Bright colored walls, glow-in-the-dark stick-on stars and planets. There was a checkered tile floor, no lights, no vents, no windows. My little brother chimes in, yep, this must be where they kept the kids before they died. So fast forward about three months of renovations to when we moved in and we lived there. The loft area has a daylight sensing motion sensor light as there was no easy way to switch a light. The light comes on by itself all hours of the day. No matter what way we position the sensor, it randomly trips and we jokingly shout out, Will you darn kids quit running in the house? That's usually the last time it comes on that day. A year into living there, we have turned the creepy closet into a computer room. We leave for work at the same time each day, but arrive home about two hours apart. I get a call from a very confused wife one day asking, asking why I'd come back home after we'd left. I didn't go back home. But upon returning from work, she was greeted by our computer room chair in our kitchen. Now, the chair had to travel through two doorways, down a hallway, and then a flight of stairs to just reach the kitchen, seemingly by itself. We thought it odd, but blamed the dead kids, those heathenistic kids. About six months after that, we have our last big doozy of an event for a while. We go to bed one night to a house in perfect order. Upon waking, we find that all of our kitchen knives have been removed from the butcher block. In their place are all of our butter knives. The sharp, dangerous knives have been placed behind the kitchen sink. We, neither one, had moved them. We both were pretty freaked out and spent the whole day away from the house trying to sort it out. We decided we were being unreasonable and went home to forget the ordeal. Ghosts aren't real and 
there aren't actually any kids who died there. Talking to the neighbor one day, and he confirms that no kids died in the house. However, a grown man had. The room with the creepy closet was the room where the previous owner's brother had committed suicide. When his wife left and they failed to work it out, he couldn't handle life anymore, and he cut his wrists and bled out. The previous owner kept living there afterwards, but upon finding out he was foreclosed upon, attempted suicide in the same room. His children found him, and he lived. Later that year, our family grows. The rooms all get shuffled to make room for baby. That creepy closet room, it gets emptied. The weird things all stopped happening. To this day, nine years later, that room is only used for storage. My four-year-old son plays in there occasionally, but even in the daytime with all the light the window lets into the room, he turns on every light. When asked why, he says, it makes it less weird to play in there. Here's the thing. Would you really buy a house where you couldn't see every room? Because why on earth would you padlock shut a closet and your realtor can't even get into it? Maybe they don't know enough about hauntings or have heard enough stories, but I myself have. Secret rooms and houses aren't generally good. It just seems to me from the stories I've read and from movies and from, I mean, just everything in the research for podcasting, if there's some kind of secret room in your house, it's secret for a reason. Don't open it. Don't buy the house. I lived in a house for about five years that was haunted, but not in a malicious way. It was a shitty roommate kind of way. I'd come home to the windows on the second floor being open when it was raining, to food containers being opened in the fridge that I hadn't touched yet. The worst was that the ghost hated clocks. I mean, she hated them. I had antique cuckoo clocks that had worked for 50 years that would just stop. Brand new wall clocks that ate through batteries like it was candy. My watch ended up on the floor one morning, the crystal shattered, even though I slept with it on. The one that pissed me off the most was that I got a brand new Kit Kat clock for Christmas, and the bitch threw it off the wall. I was cooking and out of the corner of my eye saw the cat freaking fly turned around and it was across the kitchen, broken. It was brand new. The house I grew up in had a slightly strange design in that all the bedrooms were clumped together at one end of the house and the kitchen, kitchen and living room were at the other end. 
The two areas were connected by a long, narrow hallway that had a bathroom in the middle and approximately 900 closets on either side. My bedroom door was at the end of the hall with two other bedroom doors facing each other across the hall on either side. Basically, this meant that if you were sitting in your living room, you could look straight down the hallway to my bedroom door. Now, lots of strange and frightening things happened in that house, but the one thing that we could never rationalize away or lie to ourselves about was the darkness at the end of the hall. Like I said above, the hallway was very long and narrow, and it was also paneled in dark wood. So it was pretty dark down there. But with the living room lights on, there was always enough light to see down the hall and make out my bedroom door. But sometimes we'd be sitting in the living room and get the feeling that we were being watched or that something was about to happen. When that would come over us, the end of the hallway would be completely blacked out. It was like someone dropped a curtain over the end of the hall. You could see part of the way down and there was just blackness then. When this would happen, our three little dogs, God bless them, they'd go to the mouth of the hallway and sit in a line across it, staring down into the darkness. Sometimes they'd bark a little or growl, but mostly they just sat and stared. Once in a while, one of them would get brave enough to walk down the hall, but they never got more than halfway to the darkness before they'd stop and back up. They would walk backwards up the hall, never turning their back on whatever they were looking at. After a little while, the oppressive feeling would lift, the darkness would disappear, and the dogs would wander off. This didn't happen often, but compared to all the normal spookiness in that house, things disappearing, stuff flying off shelves, strange voices or breezes, that was the one thing we could never convince ourselves that was just in our heads. That's all for today's podcast. I thank you for tuning in and I hope you liked the show. If you did, please tell a friend, give us a rating, and hit subscribe. If you have a story you would like to share on Petrifaction, you can contact me at pd at petrifaction at protonmail.com. And remember to check out today's show notes for more information on today's stories. Please return next time to hear more stories and friends be prepared to be petrified.